University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Campbellini, winds up and he scores! Just Campbellini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1 0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Campbellini. Well, that was a quick transition. <laughs> they're moving in. I'm moving. They're moving out. I'm moving in. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and uh, Jim Dwyer has uh, school obligations this evening, so he'll be joining us next week, where undoubtedly we will continue our discussion. <laughs> One of the most interesting figures in American history that passed away this past week, E. Howard Hunt. <laughs> um, so we'll get to him in a second. We'll just uh, quickly dispatch a couple of brain damage awards and then move right along. The discussion of uh, E. Howard Hunt, by the way, is a little bit of a, shall we say, an addendum to uh, a show that uh, was heard uh, this past Friday on uh, the Here and Now Fridays at 6 p.m., David Emery's, uh, I think I wrote down the number here somewhere. I think it's, uh, well, the title of the show is called Give Me a Break, and it's in response to the uh, Gerald Ford pardon, in which he talked a little bit about uh, some of the issues regarding the whole Bay of Pigs thing that we'll talk about. And I think the number on that David Emery show was 579. I'll try and confirm that and have an update for you next week. Obviously, we want to give out a Brain Damage Award to Vice President Cheney for talking about the great successes that are occurring in Iraq. He did this in an interview with Wolf Blitzer. That's ridiculous. Um, the only success we've had in Iraq is uh, creating chaos as a result of overthrowing Saddam Hussein. And the cost of doing this is, uh, well, the direct costs are close to $500 billion and the Eventual costs will probably be somewhere between a trillion and two trillion dollars. Uh, I guess on the bright side, we only have George Bush has entered the seventh year of his presidency. He will be around for less than two years, but obviously we're going to quote stay the course in Iraq as uh, his uh, State of the Union speech elaborated on. And for him to claim that we went into Iraq, quote, largely united, is simply a fiction. Uh, indeed, 38% uh, of the public, before uh, George Bush issued his ultimatum on the 15th, or I guess it was actually St. Paddy's Day of 2003, giving Saddam Hussein 48 hours to get out of Iraq, 38% of the people had serious doubts about any war with Iraq, the critics have been proven correct at every step of the way, and Bush and Cheney have been proven incorrect every step of the way. And to call our uh, mission in Iraq a great success, as Dick Cheney did with Wolf Blitzer, is simply a man living uh, in a fantasy world. And as for Bush's claim that we are uh, going to 
as he puts it, find our resolve and turn events towards victory, where he says we're carrying out a new strategy in Iraq, a plan that demands more of Iraq's elected government and gives our forces in Iraq the reinforcements they need to complete their mission. Our goal is a democratic Iraq that upholds the rule of law, respecting the rights of its people, provides them with security, and is an ally in the war of terror. Given the fact that this has been Bush's previous definition of victory, um, he also is living in la-la land, and uh, I would recommend that he uh, start drinking and allow the piano uh, to run our country. Um, but we'll talk about Bush's State of the Union uh, in further detail in an upcoming show. Tonight's show is mainly going to be focused on the interesting and a very special career of E. Howard Hunt. Uh, he passed away this past weekend, and uh, I was actually startled by how much uh, information that the uh, obituary, the official obituary in the New York Times had. The mainstream media ignored this uh, story by and large, uh, maybe because they're not interested in who E. Howard Hunt was. But, of course, E. Howard Hunt's footprints are all over American foreign policy dating back to the uh, Cold War. He interestingly graduated from Brown in 1940 and uh, entered the uh, U.S. Naval Academy in February of 41 and worked as an intelligence officer in China and was a post-war spokesman for the Marshall Plan in Paris and a screenwriter in Hollywood. Uh, Hunt, by the way, penned something like 40 five, forty-six novels. So we'll talk about him in connection next week uh, as being the master forger of state papers, as Gore Vidal puts it, in one of the most interesting satires in American history, in my opinion. Hunt uh, was then uh, immediately assigned to train CIA recruits in political and psychological warfare fields in which he was a, quote, rank amateur, indeed, like most of his colleagues. He moved to Mexico City, where he became the station chief in 1950. He also brought another rookie CIA officer, William F. Buckley, Jr., later a prominent conservative author and publisher who became a godfather and guardian of the four children of Mr. Hunt and his wife, the former Dorothy L. Wetzel. We'll talk more about Dorothy Hunt next week and the suspicious plane crash that ended her life that might have been a result of E. Howard Hunt blackmailing Richard Nixon. The obituary by Tim Weiner notes right at the beginning, which is at the heart of part of the mysteries of Watergate, quote, this fellow Hunt President Nixon muttered a few days after the June 72 break-in, he knows too damn much, unquote. And this, of course, is because Hunt was involved in the overthrow of the Guatemalan government of Arbenz in 1954, in which he said, quote, we wanted to have a terror campaign, unquote. Mr. Hunt said in a CNN documentary on the Cold War, to terrify our Benz particularly, to terrify his troops. 
Though the operation succeeded, it ushered in 40 years of military repression in Guatemala. And by the way, the uh, total death toll in the Guatemalan uh, wars that essentially ensued from this CIA, American-backed overthrow of our Benz, resulted in the death of close to a quarter of a million people. And these uh, wars continued through uh, the uh, Reagan years. In fact, Reagan, Ronald Reagan, uh, reauthorized financial aid to the Guatemalan military that had actually been cut off during the Jimmy Carter years. Uh, an important um, escalation of uh, Mr. Reagan's Central American policies uh, that, as uh, E. Howard Hunt himself admitted, was a terror campaign. Interestingly, he then was later involved in the Bay of Pigs fiasco. Um, and uh, it's interesting that when he uh, appeared before um, Watergate uh, committees and courts investigating his uh, involvement in the Watergate break-in, said that, uh, as uh, the obituary says, Howard Hunt's burden was that he was entrusted to too many secret missions. His career at the CIA was disgraced by the disastrous invasion of Cuba at the Bay of Pigs, and his time as a Nixon master of dirty tricks ended with his arrest in Watergate, a crime which he served 33 months in prison and emerged a broken man. Of course, he emerged a broken man because his wife may well have been murdered uh, by high-ranking people in the American government. We'll talk more about Dorothy Hunt's death next week. He said, quote, I'm crushed by the failure of my government to protect me and my family, as in the past it has always done for its clandestine agents, Mr. Hunt told the Senate committee investigating the Watergate affair in 1973 when he faced a provisional prison sentence of 35 years. Quote, I cannot escape the feeling that the country I have served for my entire life and which directed me to carry out the Watergate entry is punishing me for doing the very things it trained and directed me to do. It's a very interesting statement. And the other thing that's fascinating in this uh, official obituary is that apparently uh, E. Howard Hunt, uh, the master forger of state papers that we'll talk about in a second, apparently is going to pen yet one more book. His last book, American Spy, My Secret History in the CIA, Watergate and Beyond, unquote, that's the title, is co-written with uh, Greg Aun Apu, uh, and is to be published in March 16th, on March 16th, with a foreword by his old friend William F. Buckley. So that's a book to look forward to. Uh, e. Howard Hunt has always, as this obituary notes, essentially been involved in uh, psychological warfare and disinformation. Now, he was hired by the Watergate, uh, or the Committee to Re-elect the president, president, back in July of 1971. And he participated in a litany of crimes on behalf of the Committee to Re-elect the President, including the break-in of uh, Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist, in which, amazingly, uh, he uh, borrowed a wig and a some sort of device that gave him a limp. Uh, Hunt apparently 
used disguises frequently in his work. And he has interestingly been linked to the tramps that were arrested in Dallas on November 22nd of 1963 in connection with the John F. Kennedy assassination. That, of course, is a speculative aspect of Hunt's career, but he apparently knew the Mexico City CIA folks quite well, and there is ample evidence that Oswald was being set up either as some sort of patsy and or a clandestine uh, operative for the CIA. He was close friends with Davey, David Atley Phillips, who allegedly met Oswald in Dallas uh, several weeks before the assassination. And as his obituary officially notes, he was the station chief in Mexico City during the 1950s. Mexico City, of course, proved to be important uh, in later operations against Fidel Castro, I mentioned Fidel Castro because in uh, the some of the media coverage after Hunt's death, it was reported that Hunt explained that the reason that they were breaking into the Democratic National Committee uh, that was housed in Watergate, that's an apartment complex in Washington, a complex, by the way, that I've been in several times, um, he, he mentioned that the reason, the motive for uh, doing this was to try and obtain evidence of a, a donation from Fidel Castro to George McGovern. Uh, this uh, explanation is preposterous. Um, Fidel Castro uh, disliked Democrats as much as Republicans. Uh, in fact, it was the Bay of Pigs invasion itself, while planned during the uh, uh, Eisenhower administration, and possibly supervised by Richard Nixon himself, um, was executed uh, by John F. Kennedy uh, shortly into his presidency. He uh, went to Eisenhower, asked uh, Eisenhower about the military ef uh, efficacy, uh, uh, you know, the possibility of success, specifically uh, knowing that Eisenhower, of course, had commanded uh, the uh, Allied forces. He was the overall commander of the Allied forces during World War II and was certainly probably one of the most important generals in American history, uh, maybe behind uh, General Washington, George Washington, and uh, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, Eisenhower, of course, was a master of bureaucratic, um, you know, the, the ins and outs of bureaucracy and was one of the reasons he was selected uh, by FDR to uh, be the unified commander of the uh, Normandy invasion and be became the... Uh, head commander of the, uh, essentially, the liberation of Europe. Uh, so Kennedy went specifically to Eisenhower for uh, information uh, regarding um, the success, the efficacy of uh, invading Cuba that later became known as the Bay of Pigs. The Bay of Pigs, of course, ended in a disaster, a public relations disaster for the American government and was a military failure. Um, Various accounts of it can be read by uh, all sorts of sources about what went wrong and what happened. But there clearly is uh, uh, ample evidence that the uh, Cuban exiles that were involved and Hunt's importance in the Watergate break-in was that he is the one that recruited the former CIA operatives uh, that were involved in the Watergate break-in. These were Cuban exiles uh, 
Bernard Barker. Um, the other important one was Frank Sturgis, because Frank Sturgis uh, worked on a variety. He's also known as uh, Frank Fiorini. Uh, he had close connections to the uh, mafia in Florida, as well as the Cuban Exile Committee, was involved in Castro assassination plots back in the early 60s, and was a bit of a thug uh, at one time during the Watergate, uh, the dirty tricks operations of uh, the Hunt uh, operation, which consisted of uh, five Cubans and uh, G. Gordon Liddy, uh, who's now a radio talk show host in Washington. be very interesting to find out what Hunt, uh, Liddy's uh, perspective on Hunt was uh, last week. It's important to remember that Liddy pled guilty and uh, essentially fell on his sword. He didn't reveal any information. Hunt, on the other hand, decided that he would fight uh, the charges. And, of course, the bitterness that he uh, had regarding his uh, predicament was that he expected to be protected by the American government. And um, it's interesting in the statement to the uh, Senate uh, committee investigating water group said, I have served my, for my entire life, uh, my country and have, which directed me to carry out the Watergate entry and is punishing me for doing the very things it trained and directed me to do. Well, of course, Hunt, uh, has a, <laughs> uh, rather murky uh, understanding of the American government. He apparently thinks uh, that Richard Nixon is the American government, and indeed the president is an important actor. There's always, of course, been a debate about whether Nixon knew of the Watergate break-in. The missing 18-and-a-half-minute gap in the tapes back uh, in a conversation that occurred in June on June 20th of 1972, the contents of that conversation have never been known, but it's quite clear that it was deliberately erased, and the culprits are likely Richard Nixon himself or possibly Rosemary Woods at the direction of Richard Nixon. One would uh, believe that that conversation with Haldeman consisted of uh, evidence that Richard Nixon had uh, foreknowledge, if not directly ordered, the Watergate break-in. Uh, the mystery of what the burglars, the Watergate burglars, were after in DNC uh, still remains, um, though the most prevalent theories are connected to a fear that Richard Nixon had about what Larry O'Brien knew about secret campaign contributions that he had received from Howard Hughes over the years. Uh, Hughes, in fact, had funneled uh, illegal and secret cash campaign contributions to Richard Nixon throughout his career. There's some evidence that Hughes bailed Richard Nixon's brother out uh, from a failed hamburger uh, chain operation back in the 60s, and that in exchange for these uh, secret campaign contributions, uh, Nixon was supposed to uh, tread lightly on uh, regulatory issues involving uh, TWA, uh, an airline that eventually uh, Howard Hughes pocketed $566 million. Howard Hughes, by the way, is one of the only people in the history of America that's ever made any money off the airline business uh, as people that have followed the financial ups and downs of the airline industry over the years uh, can well note. In fact, Warren Buffett, the conservative, mainstream conservative investor from 
uh, Omaha, Nebraska, once said nobody has ever made a dime uh, on the airline business. Howard Hughes is an exception. He was forced to sell TWA at an enormous profit <laughs> as part of a deregulatory scheme. It's all very interesting, and Howard Hughes himself is an international man of mystery, to say the least. But as for Hunt, uh, we know that at some point, uh, as he faced uh, criminal prosecution, that he began to blackmail Richard Nixon. This is just fascinating stuff, because there's an important conversation that John Dean has with uh, uh, Richard Nixon that are in the Watergate tapes, by the way. These were not erased. Uh, There was too much... Uh, criminal activity for Richard Nixon to erase everything. Uh, He does seem to have been involved in the so-called 18-and-a-half-minute gap that occurred on June 20th with H.R. Haldeman. But uh, he omitted, of course, the so-called smoking gun conversation that he had with Haldeman uh, that we'll get to uh, shortly. But in any event, getting back to John Dean, John Dean, by the way, appears uh, from time to time on Keith Olbermann's uh, show uh, um, Countdown uh, as a sort of an analyst, and he's written some very critical Bush books recently. And I think that John Dean, along with Charles Colson and Jeb Magruder, those three living Watergate figures, their memoirs should be fascinating. Uh, Many of these people in the Watergate crime seem to reveal some of their secrets after they die. So this is one of the reasons I'm looking forward to this March 16th uh, E. Howard Hunt book, American Spy, My Secret History at the CIA, Watergate, and Beyond. Uh, a uh, <laughs> elliptical title, to say the least. One wonders what Hunt uh, means by beyond, uh, what he's been doing or may well be doing in the here and after. Uh, one doesn't know, but uh, undoubtedly... Uh, as Gore Vidal characterizes, characterized him once as the master forger of state papers, uh, it may well involve uh, forging documents that uh, cover up crimes. The master forger of state papers, by the way, what's important about that is that uh, one of the um, things, one of the items that was found in the E. Howard Hunt safe uh, that he had at the White House um, is, the, you know, this is a remarkable uh, uh, thing, but apparently there were forged cables uh, in Hunt's uh, safe that attempted to implicate uh, President John F. Kennedy in the 1963 assassination of South Vietnamese President Ngo Dinh uh, Diem. Um, This is important uh, because it's interesting that, of all people, Lyndon Johnson once put out a theory uh, as he was leaving office that Kennedy may well have been killed in retribution for his involvement in the assassination of Diem. Uh, There was no involvement of John F. Kennedy in the assassination of Diem. Uh, John F. Kennedy did authorize a coup that occurred on the 1st of November, 1963. He himself was killed three weeks later on the very day uh, by uh, unhappy uh, circumstances that have yet satisfactorily been explained. But in the uh, safe of E. Howard Hunt, 
Uh, this is fascinating, uh, fascinating inventory. There was a uh, 25 caliber automatic revolver with a live clip of ammunition. McCord's attache case, which contained tear gas canisters and electronic gear. The CIA psych psychological profile of Daniel Ellsberg and other material on Ellsberg. Classified material on the Pentagon Papers. Fabricated State Department documents created by Hunt to link President Kennedy to DM's assassination. A pop-up address book. And last but not least, as we shall see in later chapters, two black cloth-bound notebooks made by the Ermes firm. Now, these two notebooks are very important. Uh, the only two people that have ever known what are in these two notebooks were L. Patrick Gray, who recently passed away. He was the acting FBI director that Nixon appointed to uh, sort of uh, cover up Watergate on behalf of the White House. It didn't end up working because once uh, Patrick Gray revealed that he had deliberately destroyed this evidence, his confirmation was scuttled. And John Dean. John Dean and L. Patrick Gray participated uh, in a fire. Uh, they burned these documents, this, these two political notebooks, that were described by John Dean as political dynamite, quote-unquote. Uh, what the political dynamite is, no one knows. But one can speculate uh, reasonably that they did involve something to do with the Kennedy family. Uh, it is well known that E. Howard Hunt uh, was involved in investigating Ted Kennedy. He apparently checked out quite a lot of uh, material from the White House library involving Chappaquiddick. Uh, there may, in fact, be some evidence that Chappaquiddick was a White House dirty tricks operation that actually preceded uh, Hunt's official hiring by the committee to reelect the president back in July of 1971. But the mysteries of Watergate remain unexplained, and this, of course, is one of the reasons why uh, Jim and I, uh, recently discussing the pardon of Richard Nixon by Gerald R. Ford, uh, are not of the uh, theory that Gerald Ford spared America some national nightmare, but that uh, he actually participated, uh, perhaps unknowingly, in a uh, continuing cover-up of some of the true details of Watergate. Because Ford, when he pardoned Nixon, said that he was pardoning Richard Nixon for all crimes that he committed or may have committed. That's a very broad outline of activity. And Nixon feared Hunt. And let's make no mistake of this. It's remarkable that the New York Times official obituary has this cryptic muttering of Richard Nixon, quote, this fellow Hunt. He knows too damn much. He made this statement in June of 72 to Haldeman. And this, of course, became what is known as the smoking gun um, conversation that ultimately ended uh, Nixon's political career. Uh, once the Senate a Watergate committee headed by Sam Irvin found out that Richard Nixon had essentially ordered Vernon Walters of the CIA to go down to the FBI and tell them to, quote, stay the hell out of Watergate because it involves national security. Um, the people uh, in the Congress, including Republicans, 
realized that Nixon was through. Uh, let me read just briefly uh, in the last couple of minutes one of these uh, uh, excerpts regarding the smoking gun conversation. Haldeman's June 23rd meeting with the president ended at 11.30 uh, a.m., and he immediately arranged a meeting between Walters, Helms, and himself and Ehrlichman for 1.30 p.m. Moments before that meeting, Haldeman poked his head in again at the Oval Office, and Nixon reemphasized the way to get the CIA to cooperate. Tell the CIA officials, Nixon instructed, it's going to make the CIA look bad. It's going to make Hunt look bad, and it's likely to blow the whole Bay of Pigs thing, which we think would be very unfortunate for the CIA and for the country at this time and for American foreign policy. I don't want them to get any ideas. We're doing it because our concern is political. Haldeman answered that he understood the instruction. Haldeman was once again impressed, he writes, by Nixon's brilliant instincts. Quote, Dean had suggested a blatant political move by calling in the CIA. Now Nixon showed how much more astute he was by throwing a national security blanket over the same suggestion. At the 1.30 uh, meeting in Ehrlichman's Alderman, the four men sat down and the participants knew that Helms disliked Nixon. And the feeling was mutual, but now Nixon had maneuvered into believing he uh, had a need to use Helms in the agency. The director began the conversation by surprising Haldeman with the news that he had already spoken to Gray at FBI and had told him that there was no CIA involvement in the break-in and none of the suspects had worked for the agency, at least in the last two years. After Helms' surprise, Haldeman then played what he called the Nixon trump card, telling the CIA that the entire affair may be linked to the Bay of Pigs. Turmoil in the room, Haldeman reported later in his book. Helms gripping the arms of his chair, leaning forward and shouting, the Bay of Pigs had nothing to do with this. I have no concern for the Bay of Pigs. Well, we leave it here on Gray Matters, and we'll continue this uh, conversation uh, next week, because uh, Jim will be uh, rejoining us. The whole Bay of Pigs thing, by the way, is a cryptic uh, allusion possibly to the Kennedy assassination. And uh, Helms, by the way, was uh, demoted from head of the CIA at, shortly thereafter, became the ambassador to Iran, interestingly, and uh, Nixon put his own people uh, in power at the CIA. Five of the Watergate bug burglars, including Hunt, were former CIA. Well, we are out of time, as Yelchin, our reliable engineer, is indicating. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Sometimes, Mama, you're good as good can be. Sometimes, Mama, you're good as good can be. 
You're changing my baby, trying to make a dog of me. When I met you, baby, you didn't have no sometime way. 